honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hi, what's up, y'all? I'm Jordan, and I just recorded my episode for the Women in Sneakers season of Strange on Purpose podcast. First of all, I have to ask, what's what's in your smoothie today? So that's actually a matcha latte. Oh, I need really? To stay awake. Yeah, <laughs> I need to stay up for today, so that's why it looks kind of crazy. <laughs> no worries. That's dope. I. I've been doing smoothies the last, like, I think three months now. Um, and I felt, I felt uh, completely different in regards to my overall attitude and everything like that. So I always ask if I see people on, on the podcast drinking something green, I'm like, oh, what smoothies in that? Because I'm always yeah. in the recommendation. Yeah. Oh, no, I, celery need juice. A, I need a, oh, I cannot do celery juice. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot do it. I tried. I hit that part of quarantine where I was like, all right, enough <laughs> banana bread. Let me see what the celery juice is hitting for. And it was not cute. <laughs> I feel that. Same. It goes right through me. Not my thing. <laughs> Jordan, you pick up uh, any new shoes recently? Sneakers recently? So I've done, I've done a lot of new shoes. More shoes, shoes than a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> And I've been doing that thing where I like, um, you know how you can just bid for stuff on mm-hmm. go and then you forget about it yeah. and then it, get picked, it gets picked up. That's that's what happened to me. my last pickup. Um, I got the, it was a Hong Kong release of the Daybreaks, their corduroy. Yeah. I think I got the, well, I got the purple colorway and nice. um, I got them off of GOAT for like 135 That was my last pickup. And then I got the um, the Puerto Rican um, Air Force Ones that dropped oh. overseas. Oh, you got them? I got them. Uh. Yeah, I got those. Me and my homeboy were going so hard for them because we wanted them. Yeah. And um, I, ha- I usually cop in men's, yeah. but I missed the men's drop. So I had to cop in women's. And it took forever to get it. I got it from Foot Patrol, and I've never ordered from them before. Mm-hmm. It took forever to come. I didn't get a confirmation email and nothing. And I was like, oh, damn, I just got scammed. But then it came. Oh, And then damn. the day they came is when they canceled the job for everybody else. Oh, yeah. that's so sick. My entire family is probably jealous listening to this right now. Um, mm-hmm. Like, we, I was obviously in on those immediately i saw the overseas drop i was like you know what let me just wait for the u.s drop and of course of course i I just feel like there's always something with the puerto rico drops any puerto rican drop there's always something with nike yeah that's what my homeboy said too he he's noticed that for a while that there's always something going on and even when i like was looking at why it was so controversial even when i got this sneaker i was like okay i understand that yeah. And like as prideful as Puerto Ricans are, they definitely want you to see the flag. We oh, already yeah. know they know what the flag looks like, but they want you to see the flag too. So I oh, understand. Yeah. It's I funny. My uh my girlfriend's uh white and she's she asked me the first 
time that we came, like we, I took her around the area. I'm originally from Chicago. So there's a part in uh, Chicago called Humble Park. That's basically little Puerto Rico flags everywhere. Mm-hmm. And she asked me, she's like, Izzy, why is the flag everywhere? I was like, you like, cause you need to see it. <laughs> I was like, it's, it's like that. It's like that. And yeah. we actually, I dove into the history with her and everything like that and how it was illegal for a long time to actually show off the flag. And now it's just like, it's a pride thing. Like I used to, um, Father's Day weekend here in Chicago or in Chicago is every year is the Puerto Rican parade, and mm. they had uh, I used to have a, a basketball jersey that was just a full Puerto Rico jersey or a Puerto Rican flag, and my cousins all had it like we were all matching with the flag on, and nobody yeah. got it. Nobody got it. If you're not Puerto Rican or you're you're not intertwined with the culture of being Puerto Rican, you don't get it until you actually get to get to know people. So it's pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I live uptown. I, I'm living. I'm based in New York. I live in Harlem. Um, I've lived in Harlem majority of my life, and so like we have little sections. So like if I go to East Harlem, that's typically where the Harlem, where the Puerto Rican Day Parade is. Mm-hmm. So we didn't get to have one this year because of COVID, and this year was 50. So I just ended up walking into a lot of many like Puerto Rican Day parades, and that was oh, yeah. really really sweet. So that was how. We celebrated uptown. That's dope. That's really dope. Well, Jordan, you want to introduce yourself, who you are, and what you do? Okay. Um, my name is Jordan. I go by Life with Jordan on the internet. Um, I am from Harlem, New York. I am a lot of things. That's how I've chalked it up. So lately, I'm like, oh, I'm a lot of things. But um, my, I'm a storyteller at heart. So no matter how I get the story done, whether it's via audio in my podcast, Dating at NYC, or with True to Us, or visually through Instagram and social media, um, I feel responsible for telling people's stories. Um, My degree is in print journalism from Morgan State University, which was HBCU in Baltimore. Um, I've been doing my dating at nyc podcast for three years i just started my true to us podcast um last month and that's been doing pretty well true to us is a streetwear platform streetwear and sneakers platform for women and folks of the black and brown denomination who want to be seen in the industry and who want access to the opportunities and that's who i am and what i do super dope i think uh the coolest thing about us doing the season women in sneakers we we've come to uh, really uncover to a lot of the audience that there's a ton of women of color in this industry doing extremely dope stuff like we just had on uh a recent record our latest recording was uh charlene masona from uh She's now at New Balance. She was with Puma for a long time. Uh, started at Def Jam. Had mm. extremely cool, like ridiculous stories. But I never, I never seen her name in the industry. Like, like I see so many males' names and stuff like that. And it, it was really cool hearing her, her side of it and her side of what's going on on an everyday basis and how many cool things she gets to do in the industry that not a lot of people know of. Um, so I, I commend you for doing the True to Us platform and actually showing that this this could be attainable. Like it, it's not just a specific somebody that can work in this industry. It, it's 
it's all of us. So I really like that. Thank you. Thank you. I think that for me, I took the journalism route into streetwear and sneakers because I didn't see any um, other way to do so. I was never like, when I'm speaking to other people now, I'm like, okay, I never had a college fair where I saw Nike show up. I've never had a college fair where somebody from Adidas showed up and said, hey, this is how you can do this. Or, you know, told us the different types of um, jobs that with, are within the sneaker industry. So I went the journalism route. And after school, um, I graduated and interned for Vashity and I interned for Complex and I interned for Married to the Mop. And, you know, I assumed like interning at all these places would open doors to work directly in this industry, whether I wanted to be a designer or not, because I don't think design is my passion. And um, it didn't. So I kind of pivoted to um, writing about music and hip hop. So that's why I left. And I noticed like over time, we just don't know about these opportunities or we see people in them and people are in these or getting these opportunities because they're playing the game. And sometimes you don't get to play the game or you don't even know how to play the game or you're not even in the room to play the game and get these opportunities or get your name in the room. So, yeah. Can you talk more on that? I was, um, I was looking at your LinkedIn and you said something about podcasts and how streetwear sneakers have always been your passion, but you mm-hmm. kind of pushed it to the back because there was a lack of opportunities or you thought there was a lack of opportunities. Can you talk more about that barrier? Um, well, let's see. I just never really saw those opportunities. Um, I'm from New York, so I grew up listening to Hot 97. And um, when it came time to apply for colleges, I was like, okay, I've always liked writing and I've always been able to tell a story better than just verbalizing or speaking. So um, I was inspired by like Angie Martinez and Miss Info. And so I was like, okay, cool. I'll get my degree in journalism and, you know, I can talk about these things or I can write about these things and this will be my end. Towards my last year, I graduated in 2014, and that's when everybody assumed that the journalism journalism bubble was going to pop. So they kind of taught us how to do a little bit of everything. So I learned how to do broadcast media. So I learned how to do, that's where I learned how to edit and engineer my own podcast. Um, They taught us how to do like video work and how to do just anything just so we could get a job with our journalism degree. Um, so after that, I went to Complex and I interned at Complex the summer, the summer before I graduated. And um, when I got there, like all my friends were very excited for me. It was like, oh, you're at Complex. And it's like, teenage Jordan was very happy as well. Cause it's like, okay, I've always, I've grown up getting Complex and getting magazines and, and holding these magazines and wishing like I could be in them. And then I got there and there are plenty of days where it's just like, okay, I'm, I'm sitting here waiting for work. Or the person who was my boss wasn't, she was younger than me. And then she was also wasn't very pleasant. Um, so it's like, okay, you get in the door, but then you have to figure out how to, um, essentially you're learning how to play chess as soon as you get into these opportunities. It's like, okay, cool. Who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to be friends or friendly with? Who do I need to get close to? So um, I know for me, 
of the interns that I worked with in that semester, maybe, maybe there was like 50 of us, maybe three or four ended up like, um, getting actual opportunities after the fact. Um, so from there I went to, and I pivoted to, uh, music. So I had always been interning for Respect Magazine, which um, I believe the editor-in-chief is Detuan of Vibe. So I had always been interning there. And so I just kind of turned up my interning. So like I was at um, shows and festivals and speaking to rappers, um, probably on a weekly basis. From there, I got a job with Watch Loud, which was a hip hop publication underneath um, College Humor. And I started working for them as a staff writer. Then I got into social media um, as their social media manager. Um, We were a small team of three and they just kind of helped me shape my my voice and my love of music. And so through there, I just kind of ended up sticking with music. Even my last job, I was with Pitchfork for about six months. And after that, I was just kind of like, I I had decided that this was my last music job. Um, The music industry, the music media industry and streetwear and uh, sneakers are very similar in the sense that um, it's a popularity contest and it's not necessarily how, how much work you have behind you or how many names you've had on your LinkedIn or whatever. It's more so like, who do you know? Mm-hmm. So I would notice I would be in these meetings or I'll be talking about people. Um, I remember maybe 2018, I was like pitching uh, Meg Thee Stallion and Rico Nasty from January to July, which is when I was at Pitchfork. And, and they didn't start writing about them until after I left, which was like, then by then they had to play catch up. So after that, I just kind of decided I didn't want to do music anymore. Um, and I kind of took, that year to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, My father passed in 2019 and that was just kind of how sneakers was always how we bonded. He's the person who taught me how to clean my sneakers, the importance of cleaning my sneakers because I would just have all my kicks be beaters. Mm -hmm. Um, He's the person who kind of got me into um, buying Air Force Ones, like seasonally, like as soon as they turn yellow, I'm getting another pair. <laughs> so um, for me, sneakers is just kind of how I bonded with him. And now as he has passed, like that's kind of how I honor him. Um, I continued to write and do more streetwear pieces. Um, and I just got an email from like one of my other writer friends about somebody who had started a podcast about um, at Complex. Um, and it's the same podcast or the same show with the same host talking about the same sneakers. And then I, I was applying for another job for another um, publication. And they had asked me at the same time to build out an Instagram um, as one of the edit tests. Um, so I had started building out this um, Instagram in like late January. And it, it was just really pretty. And I was like, whatever happens with this job, I'm going to keep this Instagram. So from there, I just started building it out. Um, I did the interview. I was waiting on my second interview before they said that the role was gone because of COVID. Um, the publication had fired like majority of its staff. And so by March, I was just like, 
let's let's make this something so um i think by march i had introduced it to people and now we're here and we're doing um podcasts for it so yeah it's amazing i'm sorry to hear about your father too i'm thinking it's dope that you honor uh, that way i think the, the coolest thing my uncle passed away my first year in college and I was pretty close with him. And mm-hmm. the, the way I went about honoring him, um, a little different than, than most, but I, I had to get the, uh, the quote unquote 18 year old Izzy tattoo immediately. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, just honoring him through different things. He was a techie. So dude was, uh, the guy that everyone called when the, their computers went out or anything like that in the early 2000s when nobody knew anything about computers so mm-hmm. he he amassed a great amount of uh i guess education through that but then i decided to start doing different things uh just honoring him and then um i think it was yeah last year uh, i saw puma he he worked for motorola for 23 years and puma and motorola did a collaboration and I was like, damn, these, these are pretty dope. Um, so I reached out to his, one of his, um, good buddies that's in marketing at Motorola. And I was like, Hey, uh, be really cool. Like these are really cool thing. Are you guys selling them? Like what's going on? And next thing I knew they were at my doorstep and I have always been into sneakers, but that I think really just started just open a a rabbit hole. I think as Q knows, like I, I was into sneakers, but like my, I used to like roast my buddy sometimes, uh, our buddy, Chris, our old college roommate, because we were broke as hell all the time in college. But, and he would be like, yo, I'm going to go pick up these $200 Jordans. I'm like, dude, you, you're not going to eat. And like, he, he didn't care. And whereas like, like, we were broke, bro. Yeah. We were couldn't broke. Afford, like couldn't afford $200 of rent, bro. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was pretty funny, but now it's just like it's it's opened this door to i'm i don't resell or anything like that i'm more i buy for the stories behind the sneakers more than anything and now it's it's like opened the doors to other not just nike adidas like i I look at every brand uh whether it's nike adidas reebok puma anything like that but like i recently came across uh uh, Clearweather brands, uh, they have a new collaboration with a really dope story. And I was like, yo, this is, this is really cool. And I sent it to my buddy, who's just a massive hype beast. He's like, oh, that's not Nike or, or Adidas. I'm like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, I want to stop. Like now that I'm older, I'm like spending my own money, especially now it's like we're spending like unemployment money. I want to start like, I have already started buying things that have like that I align with. Yeah. So it's like, even today, like they did the surprise drop of the fours and I was like, I'm not buying that shit. Yeah. Like, and I had so many people hit me up. I had so many people hit shoot us up and they're like, yeah, are you, are you getting them? And I'm like, I don't support that. Yeah. So it can be a beautiful sneaker. And I wish somebody else had made the sneaker at this point, oh, yeah. but it's like, if I don't align with it, I can't justify buying it. Yep. And so that's how I rock with my sneakers. I love that. Did you, uh, did you pick up the Nike Bayou's that came out, uh, the nurse, I'm forgetting her, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, they were a pair of 97s, nurse from New York. Um, 
I know who you're talking about. Queen Leo? Yes. I didn't. I didn't. And I see them everywhere. And every time I see them, I'm like, I should have done that. Yeah. And they're, they're, I think they're still accessible, too. Because, like, they did a lot of restocks of those. They did. They were just that popular. So I might pick them up because I do like those. Cute. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, there's a, a nurse in, she, I believe she's a nurse in a hospital in New York. Um, and she did a Nike by you. She did a small collaboration with Nike that kind of blew up because it, yeah, she won the competition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she, her shoe represented everybody that lived in New York. <laughs> and so like there, there was different skin colors on there, everything like that. And me originally from Chicago, I like was very hesitant on buying it, but I wanted them so damn much. So I re- like literally as of last week ordered them on Goat because I wanted them so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're super dope. And we talk about diversity, like Q and I talk about diversity and inclusion. We're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin right now. And um, if you don't know too much about Milwaukee, it is the most no. segregated city in, in the U.S. And I'm not oh, just, wow. yeah, I'm not trying to talk crap or anything like that it truly it's like a fact. Okay. it's a fact it's either austin or milwaukee every year so mm. it goes one or two every year and uh, we've seen like we have a we own a startup here and we've seen the like straight up just injustice just because like how we look and mm. like people that don't look like us get access to opportunities 10 times of those that we are given access to and it it's really, really crazy. So that's why I, I had to pull the trigger on those shoes. Like it was, while it didn't represent exactly what I thought, uh, exact, while it didn't represent exactly what I, what came to mind for me, that's what, I think that's what the beauty of shoes is. It's like, oh, they have a really dope story, but I have a different story on top of that. That mm-hmm. can be, that's really relatable. Yeah. I think I have a story for every probably every pair of sneakers that I have like I still have the first pair of sneakers that I bought with my own money I still have some dunks I used to wear in high school um yeah every pair of sneakers I buy tell a story and if I can't justify it with the story I I probably won't cop them to be honest yeah because I don't like looking like everybody like I live in New York um like I hang out in the city I live in Harlem so like you'll see yourself in a lot of different kicks or in a lot of the same kicks but the way you wear them is different so like if I can't do that and I'm gonna just walk down the street looking like anybody then I don't cop it I like that a lot I don't I don't consider myself as not even I don't consider I've never been a sneakerhead I walk around barefoot like that's just just who I am (laughs) but I'm a I'm a writer you know I'm a storyteller I was a singer-songwriter for a long time and when he told me he wanted to do this, I was like, I, I'm going to have to learn a lot. Like, give me like a week or something like that. I'm going to need a lot more than a week. But the more I dig into it, I'm like, shit, like, this is, this is dope as fuck. You know, like the stories behind this, like how it happened, like how it's happening. The story behind like that collaboration is just so, so, so dope to me. So I was scrolling through your IG. Um, I don't remember what shoe specifically because I there's too much in my brain right now with all these collabs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but can you talk about like your favorite sneaker, your favorite story behind that sneaker? My favorite sneaker. Um, hmm. Like of all time or like a favorite you pair I own? I... However you want to answer that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a two part answer too. 
<laughs> um, well, I'm looking at my three feet high and rising dunks that I bought in, I want to say 20, maybe 2015. And that was the first pair of sneakers I ever stayed out. I like went right before work. And this is when I was fresh out of college. So I went right before work, maybe. I had to be at work at like nine. I told them I had a dentist appointment and I waited <laughs> outside of Blades. And I was just like one of three people. They were like, well, what are you doing here? I was like, I want these fucking kicks. So <laughs> I bought them. Um, I got the high ones. So it's like yellow. It's not the brown ones. Um, and I wear them everywhere. To this day, like I remember wearing them to Made in America when I used to cover music festivals. I remember even like when I wear them to this day, people are like, yo, I like those kicks. And I remember buying them and I showed them to my dad and he was like, well, why you didn't buy me any? And so like <laughs> he bought the same pair that I have. I think he bought the lows. I think he brought the brown lows as soon as I um, bought those. So those are probably my favorite. But I like dunks and blazers and people don't like blazers. Um, I've been teaching myself how to skate. And also it's like I wear my sneakers with dresses and I find like blazers are easy um, to do that with. And then like when I skate, I feel like my ankle is more protective because the blazers are high. I like high blazers. So, yeah, those are probably my favorite pair of sneakers. Dunks for sure. And then blazers. Love that. Blazers. Like you said, people hate on them, but I, or not even hate on them. I think they just sleep on them. People be, be shitting on blazers, and yeah. I don't know why, because you could wear it in any type of way. Exactly. You just bought some geek mm-hmm. as fuck. Which one did you pick up? Scribbles, something like that. Red scribbles, I have no idea what they're called. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm excited, though. Blazers, I, I had a pair of blazers in, in high school, and I remember I had this buddy who was parents were well off and all he wore was Jordans mm-hmm. and I didn't have access to cash like he did but he goes right. I I brought never forget white all other uppers everything like that but just a black swoosh very simple and he goes yo those that's a poor man's Jordan I was like really okay cool cool I had more compliments on that shoe than anybody gave his Jordans. And they were probably like, I, I think he used to wear like not even retro Jordans, just every, everything on, on the board. But it was really crazy. Just it's really crazy how the culture has really shifted to, I think now is very hypebeast centric where everybody's going after the, the fours that you were, you were mentioning before um, and less going after the, like the OG stuff, like, like you said, like, I, I think blazers are beautiful and I, I have a love for, um, uh, Reeboks and I have a love for the club C 85 and they're just simple. I throw them on and I can wear them with any outfit. They're white with little green hints. And I walk out with those and my, my cousin calls them the drug dealer shoes, but I just, <laughs> I wear them everywhere. Um, but it's, it's really weird how the, the culture has really shifted towards that in a sense that like now I feel like while the stories are getting doper, it's less about the stories to the next generation and more, not the next generation. I would say a specific segment of the next generation and more about, okay, how can I resell this sneaker? I think the the culture has really shifted that. Yeah. And I think media played a big role in that. 
for yeah. sure. Um, I was speaking to Jazare in my um on True to Us, and she's somebody who also started as a writer and geared her way into the industry through that way. And she was speaking about how she used to write on Kicks on Fire, and she kind of helped to groom this hype beast world that we have today. And when I think about the stories that I had to write before I started freelancing and I was just staff writing, I was like, well, I absolutely did the same thing. Um, you know, it's, everything is, it's a game. It's like, you know, you're writing about the most popular sneakers because these people are buying your ads. Um, you know, you need the ad space, you need the clicks, you need the money. So you're going to write about these popular sneakers. You're going to make these kids go outside or not even go outside because they don't even go outside anymore. They're doing lotteries. Yeah. So, you know, buying we're bots. getting buying bots to do the online lottery and, you know, they're going to resell the sneaker to you. So it's like, I've always kind of wondered how, as we, as we talk about these brands and these companies and the lack of accessible sneakers for one and opportunities, how are we going to dismantle if we even need to, but we probably do. How, how can we break down this hype beast Mm -hmm. like world? Cause the thing about reselling is like, when I was growing up, we had like one or two resellers. Now everybody's reselling. And it's like, sometimes they're not even making a lot of money back. So it doesn't make sense as to why they're reselling. Mm -hmm. Um, They're just doing it to say that they had it, which you waste more time like that. At least from my point of view, you waste more time and you waste more. um, You could be doing something else than getting a $20 return on some sneakers. And that's what I find on GOAT a lot, like a $20 return. Um, And especially since I wear women's nine, the my sneaker size is the first one to go. So um, I typically, if I don't have somebody who works at the store, or if I didn't get lucky, or if I don't know somebody who knows somebody, which it really shouldn't have to be that deep, um, then I usually don't get them. Mm -hmm. I usually don't get like the popular pair of sneakers. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You hit on uh, representation uh, within the music industry and the sneaker industry before. And you said it's almost a popularity contest. It struck a chord with me. I I started in sports. So I I started, my first job was in uh, the NBA with the Bucks here in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had internships in with the Brewers, uh, really all over the place. And I realized very quickly that, that it was the same same damn thing as the, the industries that you said. It was a popularity contest. And I, if you get to know me a little bit, like Q does, I guess, uh, you know, everybody knows that I am not down for that. I guess I, <laughs> I am 100% down to piss somebody off if I think it's the right thing. Um, but I'm not down to kind of, get down in my knees and beg for forgiveness or anything like that. And I, th- I feel like with representation in mind, we have to dismantle the popularity contest first. And two, we just need to work on getting, to be completely honest, some of the best bosses I had in the sports industry were women of color. I had two and I was in the industry for, six years counting my internships. I only had two bosses of color, women, 
and I only had a few number. Uh, I could probably count on both hands how many women of color that I had that were coworkers of mine. And that's something that I think needs to change. But two, to, to get to my question, what do you think needs to change in whether it be the, the music industry or the sneaker industry? Um, what, what needs to change today to kind of open up access uh, for whether it be people of color or women of color or women in general, uh, just more opportunities? Um, we definitely have to, I think for, for me and what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to kind of open the door and hold the door open for other people behind me. So it's like, there've been plenty of times where, um, I know about an opportunity because somebody listens to my podcast or because, because of who I've built myself to be on the internet, not because of like my resume or not because of um, who I've worked with and who I've interviewed, but just based off of who I've now become or who I'm trying to be. And I think that uh, sometimes it really shouldn't have to be that. It shouldn't have to be like, I portray myself as cool on the internet. And so now I have access and now I'm getting casted and now I have people hitting me up for these things. There are so many people who are talented who don't know how to go about getting these opportunities or are going about it in the ways that we were taught in college. Like in college, nobody ever taught me to DM a company mm -hmm. in order to get a job. And I interviewed someone just last week and they were like, yeah, I got my job just by shooting my shot in a DM. And it's like, you don't talk about that enough. That's mm -hmm. not something that was like really condoned in college. Um, my first actual paid opportunity in the sneaker industry was right before 2020. It was in like December, 2019. And I got to work with Adidas in, um, for their seed school program. So seed school is a two year program that focuses on black and brown women and teaches them how to, um, do all different aspects of design. And by the time the two years is up, they are able to get a job with Adidas. And because I just saw it on Instagram and I inquired about it, and then I just looked at it and I was like, well, you know what? It's not for me. It might be for somebody else. I tweeted about it and I went, it went viral. And that was how I ended up working with Adidas on that. And nice. these are not things that people think of doing. Like even when I did it, I was like, oh, damn, that's crazy. <laughs> okay. And I didn't think anything of it until I got a DM from that person. And they said like, Hey, we got about 500 extra applications because of you. So let me talk to you and see how I can help you. And if she wasn't the ally that she was and was able to bring me in, not only bring me in, but pay me correctly to do what I'm passionate about, I probably wouldn't have known about it. So I think just um, telling people and telling women to take these risks and to shoot their shot, to, to shoot their professional shot, um, to tell them to like, it's just, it's multi-layered. It's just mm -hmm. so multi-layered because it's like, we also need to be in schools and having career fairs for kids. We need these brands to go back and say, hey, this is an actual job. I can tell you how this is a job. Because, like, so many people in the sneaker industry that I know who are my homeboys, they all started in the sneaker store. Yeah. 
Yep. And while that is like an avenue to get into, it's very slim to make it from the retail store into the actual office. And um, there's other ways to go about that. So I think just being very open about how to get these opportunities and stop making it like, okay, this is my, it's my little brother, this is my cousin. And so I'm only going to tell my little brother, my little cousin about this opportunity and just making it accessible and available for everybody. That will be one of the ways to, um, to get more black and brown folks into these jobs. Yeah. I love that. I think, I think the, the thing that the brands need to do a better job. We just had uh, Erin Minton on from Reebok and Mm -hmm. she's the senior, uh, senior director of surface design at Reebok and her her uh her main job going through the organization was color designing mm-hmm. if you ask somebody on the street or if i go to the boys and girls club that i used to work at and ask them if they think that they can play with color swatches for most of the day and think they can help design a shoe or anything like that i feel like they would say no and i feel like the while it is college's job or it is school's job we can get into that conversation to educate us on that I I think the industry has to do its due diligence on explaining what all goes into this shoe whether it be a Yeezy a Jordan whatever absolutely absolutely and they are trying to do that now because everybody's getting called out right Mm -hmm. so like when we talk about diversity and inclusion not only do we need black and brown people in these jobs and more than the one to two people that most of these brands and companies have we need them in leadership roles as well that's Mm -hmm. important we need them to be mentors we need them to go back into their communities and let people know like hey this is a thing this is how you can also do this. And even if you don't like doing this, these are other avenues within the sneaker and streetwear industry. Because sneakers and streetwear intersect in so many different ways, but the way it's marketed to us, especially black and brown folks, is always through sports, mm-hmm. always. And it's like, I know people who aren't in sports and don't, and like are constantly involved in the sneaker industry and that's not highlighted enough so as soon as i guess the brands understand that there's money in that maybe they'll invest more into that dig that so jordan to basically finish off the last five to seven minutes of the episode we're going to hit you with some rapid fire questions to kind of develop uh, some snippets and everything like that. Okay. Uh, from that perspective, obviously snippets, we like to keep anywhere from 30 to 45 seconds. So uh, if you can keep the answers short and concise, so you can just smack somebody in the face, uh, that would be appreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am going to ask you to start. Uh, let's see. I have a couple questions written down. All right. From a sneaker perspective. Okay. What's your favorite sneaker that you've grabbed um, that isn't 
let me rephrase that. What's your favorite sneaker pickup of 2020? My favorite sneaker pickup of 2020 is the Stussy Nike Spiridon. I have both colorways and I got very lucky on that. So yeah. Yeah. Very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. As a writer, as a creator, what's your favorite blog, magazine, or anything like that? Mmm, shit. Growing up, my favorite magazine was Honey Magazine. Um, that was based for like black and brown women and it featured a lot of like musicians and stuff. But I think more recently it would be Fader. Yeah, Fader has always been very good about um introducing me to new music. Fader and DJ Booth for sure. As a woman, uh really spreading her wings into the industry. What's one trait that women need to have to get into the industry? Confidence. Confidence. I have to, even if I'm not confident, I fake it. And, you know, like sometimes that takes like a shot or sometimes that takes like me just telling myself I'm that bitch and listening to Megan Thee Stallion. But like the confidence, I have to at least pretend and portray that I'm as confident as some of these people who don't have as much experience as I do. What's one piece of advice you would give somebody just entering the sneaker industry? Mm. Stay true to yourself. Stay true to yourself and don't sell out. Um, Sometimes we always think like when we get one opportunity, we have to take it no matter how it looks. And, you know, there's always another opportunity behind that. So if you don't align with it, don't do it. <laughs> I got it. What's the, uh, for those that aren't listening to the podcast that are in New York, uh, okay. what's the best part about living in New York since you've been there that your entire life? Um, especially during COVID, I've been exploring a lot more. So it's like I've been here most of my life. I went away for college just to see if I could do it. But when I came back, I was able to see so many different things. And now through COVID, I explore a lot more. I go on walks. I take bike rides. Like it's a very leisurely time now. And that's something I never had as like a native New Yorker. So yeah, exploring is the best part and finding new things and new places. In the next 10 years, what's one change you would like to see within the industry? For the next 10 years, I want to see more black and brown folks in all, in all, in all, in all pieces of the industry. And that's starting from the marketing. I don't want to see the same like light skin, big curly haired, racially ambiguous person. I don't want to see the same like cool guy who is also light skin with a fade and you don't really know who he is or what he is. I want to see more folks and more representation in every single step and I want these doors to be open and I want them to be accessible because I know these people and I know the stories that need to be told and there's no reason why it's not being told why should one go to an HBCU Mm, that's always a big debate I think for me Um, Going to HBCU 
not only helped me to find myself, but it helped me to learn a lot more about my culture. Um, I didn't have any radical professors until I went to an HBCU. And that taught me a lot that I still apply today, especially where we are politically speaking. Um, it helped me to find myself. It helped me to learn about my culture and also helped me to get that feel of community. Because it's like we grow up in our own communities, but to go out and to find your own and where you fit into, um, that was really important to me. And I've also never liked being the only Black person in any type of room. And I've never had that before. And I didn't want to carry that with me into college. So HBCU, it was for me. I like that. What makes you strange on purpose? What makes me strange on purpose? What makes you strange on purpose, yeah. That's the best face I've seen to that question. The best reaction. Screen cap. What makes me strange on? What makes you a misfit is another way I could ask that. Um, what makes me strange on purpose? Screen cap that. Just. Oh my god! No. <laughs> um, I don't know. What makes me strange on purpose? know i've been teaching myself how to skate and i'm old that might be making myself strange on purpose because when i go to the skate park they'd be like what are you doing <laughs> so that that might be it and then i just kind of like i'm i'm more so especially now i'm into doing what makes me happy so if it's it's always something i wanted to do and i can afford to do it and i have the time to do it i'm gonna do it so that's what makes me strange on purpose i respect that Thank you for trying. <laughs>